0: I went out this past, and you know, Greg and them are going to laugh at me because it's kind of funny. I went out fundraising one, one day this past weekend and my whole, everything is dry from the wind, from the cold air. <laughs> one day. <laughs> you just have to <clears throat> bear with me a little bit. Today we're going to start in John. In the book of John chapter 14. I'm going to kind of uh, review a little bit about what Pastor Jordan talked about last week. And then we'll move on to what we're going to talk about this week. But let's kind of go over kryptonite. What kryptonite is. The worst part for Superman concerning kryptonite. Is that Superman will begin to feel the weakness. He'll begin to feel... The fight against his own body before he can even see the kryptonite. His main, his, the main bad guy that he's got to fight all the time is Lex Luthor. And Lex Luthor's just some dude. He really doesn't have any superpowers. He's got some money, but that's about it. And yet he always seems to put Superman in such a bind that you almost don't know if he's going to make it. The reason is, is because of the kryptonite. I remember one of the Superman movies, he hid it in a box. Just a little box about that big. And Superman got close and he almost couldn't take it. Then he opened it up and Superman started to freak out. In the same way, a Christian's kryptonite will cause him to be weak and live a life in defeat and sickness and live a life like any other man where they cannot tell the difference between a Christian and a person that's not a Christian. And yet God has promised us time and time again throughout His Word that we are to live above the norm, to live different than everybody else. That doesn't mean we separate ourselves from the world and act like we're better than everybody else, because even Jesus didn't do that. But when we walk into a room, there should be a shift in the atmosphere. I'm reminded of a story in the New Testament where these, the seven sons of Sceva are trying to cast out a demon out of this out of. I don't know if it was one guy or a bunch of guys. And they say, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, leave this man. And the demon, or the person, the demon speaking through the person is like, now, I know Je- I know Jesus. And I've heard about Paul. But I don't know about you. So they ended up attacking those guys. And they ran out. And they weren't wearing proper clothing at the end of it. But uh, those demons knew about Paul. We should be so. And we should be in such a deep relationship with the Lord Jesus and have so far a distance between us and this kryptonite that when we walk in a room, whatever spirits in there recognizes who we are. Not because of again, not because of our works or anything, this is all by grace, but praise the Lord from his grace. It's important to remember the when we are born again at salvation, we are given God's divine nature. We become true children of God with all the privileges, all the benefits and all the power that Jesus had when he was on earth. If we look at Jesus' life, he had all his needs and all his desires met. He was successful and reached many people with his message. Every place he went to, he healed people. And he was never sick. I I don't know any place in the Bible that says where Jesus was actually sick once he started his ministry. The thing is, these things and more are all promised to us. Jesus said so himself. John chapter 14, verse 12. It says, this is Jesus talking. He said, most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to the Father. You're not going to just do what Jesus did. You're going to do even greater things than he did. That's a promise, and either you can accept the promise and do greater things than even Jesus did, or you can live a normal life and miss out on most of your benefits. Yeah, you'll make it to heaven, and we'll all celebrate together, but you'll miss out on the, on the benefits that Jesus wants you to have here and now in this life. If we jump to 1 John chapter 4, verse 17, it says, Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as He is, so are we in this world. As Jesus is. Now, if you, want, if you really want to see how Jesus is right now, you can go to Revelation chapter 1. And you can read because it, it's called the revelation of Jesus Christ for a reason. It's because you see Jesus in His form now. He's not just a man. He's not on the cross. He's not even some normal guy that just walked out of a tomb, however normal that is. But he's a conquering king. He, he, it talks about how he's got, his eyes are like flaming fire. And his words are like river rushing waters. His hair is white like wool. He is, he is a conquering king now. And it says, as Jesus, as he is, so are we in this world. So it's important to ask ourselves, are we living like a conquering king? Or are we living like Superman when he just fell into that pool of water? After being hit with kryptonite. Now, of course, anybody can talk about all all that and all that good stuff, but we got to get down to business. What is this kryptonite? And we're going to start, that's what we're going to start digging into here tonight. So it begs the question what is this kryptonite that is keeping your average Christian from living like Jesus in the world today? Now this week and the next few weeks, there will be a couple of hard pills to swallow. But we're going to have to man up and take them. But because if you desire to not waste Jesus' sacrifice, if you desire to live a free and fulfilled life, then we can apply the truth in these chapters and experience God the way He wants for us to. If a person has a form of cancer, any cancer in any part of their body, If they have it for a long time and it has a chance to develop, it will kill them. And there won't be anything you can do about it. It's a terrible thing. But if you catch it soon enough, then you can do something about it. Fix the issue and the person has a much more likely chance to survive. This kryptonite that we talk about throughout this series, it's it's like cancer. Either we can deal with it now as Jesus reveals it to us, so that we don't have to live in that defeat or that weakness or we can just ignore it go about however we want to live and we'll continue to be weak and if we aren't careful it might kill us Our main scripture passage that we're going to start that we're going to go to today is 1 Corinthians chapter 11 1 Corinthians chapter 11 28 through 32 it says that is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. For if you eat the bread or drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you are eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. Now I want to pause for a second and say we're talking. This is Paul talking to a New Testament church. This isn't Paul talking to old old covenant Israelite. This is a New Testament church. Very important to keep that in mind. People hear about God's judgment and they say, oh, no, that was them old guys back in the day. They're in the wilderness. They were complaining. I don't complain. I ain't going to get God's judgment now. I'm under grace. Now, you're under grace, all right. Sometimes God passes judgment and that's a form of grace. But we'll save that for a, different time, for a little bit later. Back to the scriptures, it says, that is why many of you are weak and sick and some have even died. But if we would examine ourselves, we would not be judged by God in this way. Yet when we are judged by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be condemned along with the world. If we examine ourselves, we would not be judged by God. So that tells me that they were being judged by God. That's what was happening here. It wasn't reserved for later. It's not like they were sinners and they they were going to go to hell and that's what's going to be their judgment. God was passing judgment on the church now. The reason is said in the last verse that we read. Yet when we are judged by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be condemned along with the world. So the question is, what did the Corinthians do wrong? Why did Paul feel the need to say this? They discern the Lord's body wrong is what the scripture says. This version actually says, without honoring the body of Christ. Then the New King James says, without discerning the body of Christ, both honoring and discerning are very those both translations are very important. We gotta, we're going to look at both translations to get out where we need to. In other words, they showed irreverence for the Lord's Supper or a lack of care. The Lord's Supper was a little bit different back then than just normal communion that we do. They would sit at a table and they would eat and they would enjoy fellowship with each other and they would remember. the Lord's Lord's suffering when He died on the cross for us. But they showed a lack of care and concern for what they were doing, what was going on. As our study progresses, we will see that the root issue that brought judgment was their awareness that they were disobeying God and that they chose to do it anyways. If you're a parent or you're in a leadership position, and you tell somebody to do something, and they know that they need to be doing what you tell them to do, and they say, nah, I ain't going to do that. That's the way Joe used to say, nah. He used to say that all the time. Sometimes I still catch him. He ain't saying it to me no more. He knows I'll write him up. (laughs) But when somebody does that, it makes you upset. Even if you're not lashing out on somebody because they do it, you know it makes you upset. Yet the Corinthians were treating God that way. They were doing the same thing to God. Yet the Corinthians weren't aware that that was the reason that they had frequent frequent weakness, sickness, and premature death throughout their church. Looking back at Superman, the worst thing about the kryptonite was that he wouldn't see it at times and it affected him before he saw it. In the same way, this kryptonite in the Corinthian church was causing these three effects. Weakness, sickness, and premature death. Now, I'll stop here for a second and say this. Just because you're sick doesn't mean you're sinned. Okay? Sickness is not a result. All sickness is not a result of only sin. Okay? I hope that we really understand that because that's important. If you look back at the story of Job, he lost everything and he got sick. But it wasn't because he did anything wrong. God made that very clear. And as a matter of fact, when his three friends came and tried to tell Job that he was a bad person is why all this bad stuff was happening to him. After the Lord came and rebuked Job, the Lord rebuked his three friends and said, Now you need to go go and ask Job to do a sacrifice for you so that I will forgive you. So it's not because you've sinned that sickness has come on you all the time. That's not what we're getting at. If you look in the Gospels, there was a man who was blind from birth and the first question the disciples asked him was, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? They just, they just assumed that he had sinned or his parents had sinned and that's why he was born blind. And Jesus said, neither him nor his parents sinned. He's just blind so that God will be glorified through him. The truth though is, is that God healed him right after that. So it wasn't the blindness that glorified God, but it was the miracle that happened. So that's important to keep in mind too. So throughout this study, we're not saying that every weakness and every sickness and all death is a result of because the person sinned. That's not what the Bible says. That's not what we're teaching. But if we are going to honestly evaluate ourselves and evaluate the church, we need to take into consideration that this kryptonite is causing people to be weak and not display the power of God like we're called to, like the gospel empowers us to. That because we're living with this kryptonite, it is causing certain sickness to be welcomed into our life. The thing is, when you, live, when you live in willful known disobedience to God's word, you are inviting sickness in. You're inviting it. You're saying, all right, bring it. I'll be okay. Well, God doesn't want you to live sick. He wants you to be healthy. He doesn't want you to die before you're supposed to. He wants you to live he wants you to live. He wants life to come resonate through every part of your life. But he's also set it up to where if you want to willfully live in sin, then God's going to take a step back and just let it roll. If you want to do it that way, you just let it roll. I'm reminded of a story that I was told one time about uh, this man, and he had a little, a little kid. And he, they had a Christmas tree out with the little Christmas lights, and, uh, and they get hot if you leave them on for a while. And the little kid, he kept trying to go over, and he kept telling him, no, don't touch that. Don't touch that. You don't need to be touching that. It's hot. Well, he kept doing it. And finally, the dad, he just stepped back. The kid touched it, burned his finger. He goes to crying. And dad just said, told you not to do it. Well, sometimes that's the way God's got to treat us. I've given you all the warnings. I've given you all the tools to overpower it. You want to live in it. I'll let you reap what you sow, and I'll be here waiting for you when you hurt yourself. That's the way God has to be sometimes. We also got to remember that in John 5:15, after Jesus healed this man from being in infirmity for 38 years, he said, "See, you have been made well; sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you." The goal of the book of this book Healing Kryptonite is not to beat the sheep but rather in love, communicate the truth so we can reach our full potential in life. But in the same way that a plant cannot fully grow and bear a lot of fruit unless it is pruned, this entire series is made to prune us so that we can be better and reach our full potential in life. The truth of what Paul teaches will cause us to produce much fruit. It will decrease greatly the amount of weakness and turn it into power. It will decrease the amount of sickness in the church and turn it to vitality and health. And it will decrease the amount of death in our lives and instead give us life and freedom. That is what is at stake here. So we teach the truths of this book as Paul said in 2 Corinthians eleven eleven. He said, why? Because I don't love you. God knows that I do. The thing is, Pastor Brian picked this book out for us to teach. He didn't do it because he doesn't like you. He does it because he loves you. That's why. And I, can I, could, I think I speak well when I speak for all of us who come up here and teach throughout this course. That what we teach is not because we don't like you. It's because we love you and we want to see this church do great things for God. Not just talk about it. Not just say God's going to do it tomorrow. But he's doing it today. But it's going to take getting rid of the kryptonite. So if we're cool with getting down to business, let's get down to business. Second Corinthians two four says, Paul said, he said, for out of much affliction and anguish of heart, I wrote to you with many tears, not that you should be grieved, but that you might know the love which I have so abundantly for you. If you will willingly apply what we teach in this book. You will reap the benefits, I guarantee it and I can guarantee it up here on stage, unlike I can guarantee some things I can guarantee it because it's what it's true in this word. And I'll make my entire life on the word on, on God's word. Bavir, John Bevere in his book said it greatly. So please realize that Paul's word, though strong and telling these dear ones the cause of many being weak, struggling with health problems, and dying prematurely are out of his fervent love for them. So back to our scripture, first Corinthians chapter 11, 28 through thirty-one. Let's look back on the words in, I believe, verse 29. It says, For if you eat the bread or drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you are eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. It's important to realize that Paul, in this verse, is not speaking to individuals, but rather to everyone in the church. Okay? He's speaking to everyone in the church. We must fully remember that while we have our personal relationship with Jesus, we are also all together the body of Christ. The truth is they work together. If you are constantly and all the time sowing into your personal relationship with Jesus, your personal prayer time, your personal Bible study, your personal worship, but you refuse to go to church, your personal relationship with Jesus is going to be missing something. I mean that's just the way he that's the way Jesus got it rigged up. I didn't even create that. I ain't smart enough. Of course, in the same way, if all you're doing is coming to church, and I'm not talking about coming Sunday or coming on Easter and just Christmas. I'm talking you're coming every Sunday, every Wednesday night, every every event that we do, every party that we do. You're, you're involved in the church. You have good relationships with the people around you, yet you neglect your personal relationship with Jesus, your personal prayer time, your personal Bible study, your personal worship. Your life's going to be missing something. God's got it all set up in a certain way to where you can... Be happy, you can live a life of health, and you can be successful and enjoy life, or you can be missing something. It's your choice. But in Paul, in this scripture, is not talking to individuals who messed up. He's talking to the entire Corinthian church. And in turn, he's talking to all of One Life Church and all those who are listening on live stream. He's talking to all of us. We are one body, we are unified. In the New King James Version, Paul's words are translated, not discerning the Lord's body. To fully understand what Paul's saying, we've got to look at both translations. 1 Corinthians ten eleven. Paul, then, if we go back a chapter, we can look how Paul talks about the children of Israel in the Old Testament. And he starts off by saying this, these things happened to them as examples for us. They were written down to warn us who live at the end of the age. So everything in the that's why I always encourage people to read the Old Testament along with the New Testament is because the Old Testament was written for us as examples for us to warn us, to encourage us, to direct us. So looking back at their example, we can see how the children of Israel all went through the same things in the wilderness. They were all led by the spirit of God, all 12 tribes, every each every individual. All were delivered from Egypt, all were baptized, all ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual water. The emphasis throughout that en- entire chapter 10 is the word all. All the children of Israel, all the children of Israel, all of them went through the Red Sea. All of them enjoyed the benefits of the manna, all of them enjoyed the water out of the rock. All of them enjoyed worshiping God. The emphasis is that all, they all had the same experiences. They were one body and they all belonged to one covenant keeping God. This certainly correlates to who we are as the body of Christ. They were all unified as one just as we are all unified as one. We all experience the same salvation. We all experience the same cross. We all experience the same grave. We all experience the same struggles in life. We all experience the same benefits in life. The same victories in life. We are unified as one body in Christ. And that's important, very, very important to keep in mind when we're talking about killing kryptonite. Then Paul says in verse 5, chapter 10, it says, Yet God was not pleased with most of them, and their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. The thing is, we can't make God love us more or less. His love is infinite, and that's how how it is always going to be. But we can control how pleased God is with us. It is our goal in life to please God, or it needs to be. Our goal in life is to please God, not to please man, or to please our family, or to please our friends, or to please even just our or even ourselves. We are called to please God. That's how we're going to reach real fulfillment. So, why did these Israelites die outside of God's promises? Of course, Paul gives five different sins that they committed in the wilderness that caused their downfall: coveting, idolatry, sexual immorality, testing God, and complaining. A few verses later, Paul writes in verses 15 through 18, 1 Corinthians 10, verses 15 through 18, it says, You are reasonable people, reasonable people. Decide for yourselves if what I am saying is true. When we bless the cup at the Lord's table, aren't we sharing in the blood of Christ? And when we break the bread, aren't we sharing in the body of Christ? And though we are many, we all eat from one loaf of bread, showing that we are one body. Think about the people of Israel. Weren't they united by eating the sacrifices at the altar? They were united. They were one body. The thing is, God interacted with them as one body. So even though we do have our own intimate relationship with Jesus, God also views us on another level. He views us as the church. He views us as being one body in Christ. We are... United as Israel was in the Old Testament, we're arguably even more united because we're under a new and a better covenant. So, yes, there are personal consequences for known, willful, practiced sin. But the thing is, our own, whenever, even though it may seem like our own sin only affects us, when you, since you're a part of this body of Christ, it affects all of us. It affects all of us. It's not reserved just for you. One person's known practice sin affects the entire body of believers. And easy, easy examples in the Old Testament. In the book of Joshua, we'll go one generation further than what Paul talked about in 1 Corinthians 10. If you look, we'll look at Joshua chapter 6. And what happened... We all, pretty much all of us know the story about Jericho. The Lord gave Joshua and the Israelites specific instructions. Very specific instructions. He said, you walk around for, seven day, for six days, you walk around the city once. The seventh day, you walk around the city seven times. You yell, you sound the trumpets. The walls are going to come tumbling down. I want you to go in. You kill everybody. Everybody and everything. Men, women, and children. All the animals. You leave none of them alive. Wipe them out. I'm passing judgment. You wipe them out. And then with all the possessions, I want you to burn the houses to the ground and I want you to burn all the possessions. Don't take nothing for yourself and anything that can withstand the fire you put in my treasury. Specific instructions, not hard ones to follow. I mean, is anybody confused by those instructions? You would know what to do, pretty much. You would know what to do. Joshua chapter 7, verse 1. This is what it says. But Israel violated the instructions about the things set apart for the Lord. A man named Achan had stolen some of these dedicated things, so the Lord was very angry with the Israelites. Achan was the son of Carmi, a descendant of Zimri, son of Zerah of the tribe of Judah. Now, notice in this verse, it doesn't say. It it doesn't say. But Achan violated the instructions about the things set apart for the Lord. A man named Achan had stolen some of these dedicated things, so the Lord was very angry with Achan. It doesn't say that, does it? No, it doesn't. It says Israel has violated the instructions about the things set apart for the Lord. A man named Achan did it, but the Lord was not angry with just Achan. The Lord was angry with Israel. The Lord was angry with Israel. So the next part in the story is Israelites get set. The Israelites get set to attack the next city, a city called Ai. This is what they decided to, to do. You jump a verse, you got Joshua 7, verses 3 through 5. It says, when they returned, they told Joshua, there's no need for all of us to go up there. It won't take more than two or 3,000 men to attack Ai. Since there are so few of them, don't make all our people struggle to go up there. So approximately 3,000 warriors were sent, but they were soundly defeated. The men of Ai chased the Israelites from the town gate as far as the quarries and they killed about 36 who were retreating down the slope. The Israelites were paralyzed with fear at this turn of events and their courage melted away. There was about 300,000 soldiers who went and attacked Jericho and they wiped them out. They really didn't have to do much anything. The walls came down and it was easy sledding from there. But now you got this little small town. You send 3,000 of your boys there because you know that that's, how they can ha- that's as much as it'll take to handle them. And they get their butts kicked. And they retreat. They're out of there. 36 people died because of what Achan decided to do. Achan, was, Achan saw it. It looked, it looked pretty nice. It looked pretty good to the eyes. You know, It's just a little bit. The Lord probably won't care. What he did is he stole. Apparently he stole a cloak. He stole a couple bars of gold. Apparently, the cloak was pretty nice. According to Josephus, it had gold in it, stitched into it. Flakes of gold or whatever, however they did it. So it was a nice, it was a pretty nice robe. It's pretty nice. And it was free. It was just standing, it was just sitting there. I don't remember if the Lord told me to do anything, but it looks nice. It's just something small. I don't think that, uh, the Lord probably won't care. He probably didn't even think about it. The Lord's got better things to do than worry about one robe and a couple bars of gold. Well, thirty-six people went to eternity that the, the next couple within the next couple of days because Achan decided he wanted a little taste of the action. He wanted a little. He wanted some, some gold. He wanted him a nice cloak. They think he'd be the talk of the talk of the talk of the camp. Well, he's the talk of the camp, all right, but not for the good reasons. Something to think about is that Achan was the one who sinned, and yet nothing even happened to him and his family. I don't know where he. I don't know. How, how he got away with it, but he didn't even have to go fight probably. Lord knows he probably wouldn't have survived if he went to go fight. And instead, instead, 72 moms and dads had no son returned from the battle. 36 wives had no husband returned and many children had no dads to come home. It wasn't because they had sinned, but rather because Achan had sinned. A man from a completely different family. The sin that you allow to infiltrate your life doesn't just affect you. You aren't the only one that's going to get weak. You aren't the only one that's going to get sick. But the people you care about are going to be weak and affected. They might get sick because you decided that you wanted to do your own thing instead of listen to what God had to say. God doesn't desire that on your conscience. He doesn't desire that on your life. He doesn't desire that for your family. That is why he's bringing the word to us here tonight. After that big defeat and 36 people die, they come to the Lord and they're all like, Lord, you've abandoned us. You hate us. We're all going to be, they're all not going to be afraid of us now. We're all going to be destroyed. You've given up on us. We need to go back to Egypt. The Lord, then the Lord starts to get angry with them. Joshua chapter 7, verse 26. I don't think I, I don't know if I gave, oh, I did give that one to you. Okay. Okay. It says they piled. Okay, all right. We're going to go back. I wanted to point out something that the Lord said directly to Joshua. Okay, the leader of Israel, when he goes and he's he's freaking out because they just got defeated. After they go, they're throwing their hearts out to the Lord because they just got defeated. It says, so the Lord said to Joshua, get up. Why do you lie thus on your face? Israel has sinned and they have also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them. For they have even taken some of the accursed things and have both stolen and deceived. And they have also put it among their own stuff. Therefore, the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies, but turn their backs before their enemies, because they have become doomed to destruction. Neither will I be with you anymore, unless you destroy the accursed from among you. Get up, sanctify the people, and say, sanctify yourselves for tomorrow, because thus says the Lord God of Israel, There is an accursed thing in your midst, O Israel. You cannot stand before your enemies until you take away the accursed thing from among you. The Lord is trying to get through to us, That the church cannot be successful until the members of the church get rid of the accursed thing from among us. That accursed thing is not a physical thing, but it's known, practice sin. God is so holy and so perfect and so great and mighty. He's not going to just overlook sin and think that everything's going to be okay, but it has to be removed. By the grace of God, it can be removed. It can be removed completely and Totally. The thing is, either we believe God's the same yesterday, today, and forever, and either He still hates sin like He did in the Old Testament, or He's changed and He's different. Well, I can put firmly before you today that God is still the same. God still hates sin, but God still loves you, which is why He's telling you to get up. Get up and remove the accursed thing from among you. When you do that, then you can be able to stand before your enemies in power and might. You will be able to fully walk in your calling as a child of God, as a person with God's divine nature. So finally, they found out that it was Achan, and they killed Achan and his entire family passed judgment. All right, that's that's about the only thing that's kind of Old Testament. Okay, we ain't going out stoning folks no more. And if you are, well, come to me, we'll get you saved. Okay, but they got rid of the accursed thing from among them. And we have to get rid of the kryptonite, otherwise, it'll continue to suck our energy. I don't know if you've looked outside lately, but the world's changing. The world's changing. And either we are going to walk in the power of God or we're going to be defeated before our enemies. In closing, this begs the question, is our known practice sin causing defeat to the church as a whole? Not only is it causing weakness, maybe it's causing sickness, premature death in our lives. Maybe it's causing all of those things in our lives. Ultimately, if we do not remove it, it will kill us. I don't really know what the future holds, but I can guarantee you as we get closer to the Lord Jesus coming back, to the rapture happening, in the same way that the New Testament church got put through the fire to separate the men from the boys, we got to be ready, church. And if we got kryptonite in our lives, Lex Luthor's going to get us. Lex Luthor's going to get us easy, and it ain't ain't even going to be fair. Because I can guarantee you the devil doesn't play fair. He doesn't give a rip about you. He doesn't give a rip about your feelings. He doesn't give a rip about what you care about. He cares only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And if that means staying quiet and getting you distracted so that you don't handle what God wants you to handle, then He'll do whatever it takes. But God has called us to a higher purpose. Ephesians 4.1 is a verse that I put on every one of my students' contracts when they first come into, my pro- into the program. and i want to make sure that i quote it right so i'm going to look it up cuz i i believe that this is true for every single one of us paul he said i therefore the prisoner of the lord beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called all of us were called to live in health to live in strength to live in the power of the holy spirit by the grace of god we are called to be more than conquerors we are called to be victorious But in order to do so, we've got to self-evaluate. So my challenge to everybody tonight is to self-evaluate. Let's look at our own lives. Every every day I try to look at my own life. Is there something that I can improve? Is there something that doesn't belong there that I need to get out? If that's the case, then I deal with it. I have to deal with it. Otherwise, Otherwise, I'd given up a long time ago. So I encourage you as the church, for the sake of yourselves, for the sake of your families, for the sake of the church, Self-evaluate. Are you willingly practicing sin? Ask the Lord to search your heart. Sometimes we don't realize that we're sinning and that it's affecting our lives. That's one of the terrible things about kryptonite is you don't realize it's there. Sometimes we don't realize that it's a sin to us. It's a sin in our lives. Ask the Lord to search your heart, to reveal it to you. I dare you to. If you really want freedom... If you really want health, if you really want to be strong, as God has called you to be strong, to live out that divine nature that he has placed in you, ask the Lord to search your heart. Search and know me, O God. That was the cry of David, and it needs to be our cry. As we continue in our study throughout Killing Kryptonite, it's important to bear in mind the consequences our choices have on the church as a whole. Self-evaluate. Is there something that I need to remove that I need to do better? Our God is a good, good father. And he doesn't desire for us to be defeated. Or to live in sickness. Or to live in weakness or to die prematurely. But well, we got to work with them. So y'all can go ahead and stand. As I'll... Close in prayer.